T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hello, everybody. What's going on? It's Tobin here with you. It's time for our Fudders Fury podcast. Thank you for downloading it. It's up a little bit later. Had some prior obligations this Sunday, this past Sunday morning, so you may have noticed we did not get to recap uh, UFC Fortaleza Brazil, and so we are going to do that here, and we're going to talk about some of the boxing stuff that went down that night, and then we'll get to the rest of the show, because the rest of it, quite frankly, is fantastic. Uh, if you missed any of it, we, we recapped the week that was, all the stuff that went down, have a nice little preview of UFC 234 coming up, but I figured before I post this thing onto the old internet, that will recap what went down in Brazil as we had, uh, it was a fun card. I got to say, man, ESPN plus with ES, with the, uh, with the idea that you had this relationship going pretty damn good so far, pretty damn good. I'm not going to lie. So the fact that we had that all going down. Um, was great, and I think it was probably highlighted if we were to talk about who was the real winner of the night, who was the guy that you felt best for. It was definitely Jose Aldo with his knockout win over Honoto Maikano. It was a masterful knockout. Just, I mean, he has looked like an absolute stud. It's been crazy. It's been crazy watching Jose Aldo the last two times out. Steamrolling, folks. Um, That's been wild. You know, his win over Jeremy Stevens, you kind of felt like, it felt like that Stevens fight with, with Jose Aldo was going to be like lambs to the slaughter. Like he was getting sent there. Jeremy Stevens was going to get a win. This was his time. And he destroyed him. Killed him too fast. And this Hanato Moicano fight that he had, same thing. Like you had a guy here who was supposed to be the backup for Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. And this was kind of going to be his, his, his gateway to the title. And no, Jose Aldo was having none of it. So, you know, Jose Aldo is such a stud. It's tough because he has that devastating loss to Conor McGregor on the highest profile fight he'll ever have. And those two losses to Max Holloway. But, I mean, other than that, he's smoked everybody in this division. And you're talking Max Holloway and Conor McGregor. You're talking about two absolute studs. I mean, that stuff can't be lost. And and, and all the things with Conor because you know, he's lost to Khabib and, and his lost to, to Floyd Mayweather. You can't forget how awesome that rise was for him, especially at featherweight at 145 pounds. And the same goes for Max. You know, Max's lone loss over his over his UFC career has been to uh has been to Conor McGregor in the last six years. He's crazy good. Oh he did lose to Dennis Bunas. Twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen he had his lone two UFC losses. And we're talking six years later and he's beaten the likes of, you know, Jose Aldo twice, Jeremy Stevens, Charles Oliveira, who looked amazing this last fight, Anthony Pettis, Ricardo Lamas, Brian Ortega, absolutely demolishing him. So really felt good for Jose Aldo. Good for him. I, I, I don't know where he can, where he goes from here as far as a title shot's concerned um, or what's left in his career. I think he has a couple fights left because he's lost twice to Max. So until Max decides to vacate, I think he's kind of just we're kind of just left there, and you know, well, that's it. That's it for Jose. I, I don't think it's probably wise for him to go to 
Um, 155, I know there's been talk of that in the past because such a gauntlet there. I mean, like, Dustin Poirier can't even get a sniff at a title shot, and he's been killing it also. So that was uh, that was your, your main event. That was your co-main event um, on Saturday night. You had Marlon Marais looking absolutely devastating against Rafael Asuncao. He uh, he put he put the work on him, and I thought he had a great call out afterwards. T.J. Dillashaw, where like he's like T.J. T.J. Dillashaw, is, let's see if he's even worth fighting me. You know, he wants to go fight the uh, the little guys down there, and didn't look too good. And that is, and, and I'm glad Marlon Marais. I thought this made him stand out because he needed to show a little bit. Of edge. You don't need to be. Not everybody needs to be Connor. Not everybody needs to do that. But you do need to lay out your case. And you need to do it out in your style. And I thought it was just such a cutting, true statement for him to put out there. Like, ah, hey, I guess I'll fight TJ Dillashaw. Um, not thrilled that I got to fight a guy who just got worked by the the flyweight champion. I don't care what you think of that stoppage. You know, you can think that the ref called off the dogs on Henry Cejudo early, but that doesn't mean if he would have let the dogs bite that the injury could have been a lot worse to him. So. Thought he looked fantastic. Damian Maya got himself a good time win. Charles Oliveira looked really, really good against David Timer. And this is an interesting one. He called out Kevin Lee for a fight afterwards at UFC Miami. And you know, we'll get into a little bit of that. You'll hear in the uh, the rest of the show today, but um, that'd be pretty sick. I mean, if we got Kevin Lee against Charles Oliveira, got that Brazilian crowd going behind you along with the Cuban crowd that's going to go there. Jorge Masvidal made it known that he wants to uh, be on that card after his card in London, after his fight in London, which would be absolutely sick. So that's shaping up to be a really nice card. Really, really nice card if all these things do come true. Johnny Walker, uh, he had his fight against Justin Ledette. I would say Johnny Walker was probably the breakout star of the evening. He was dancing like crazy to the to the ring. Um, very, very sexual pelvic thruster. That has to be just just has to be out there. Um, very charismatic in his fight style and hit a vicious spinning back. It was kind of like a forearm. I don't even want to say it was elbow. It was like elbow fist, all that, but he, he landed the shot and then he was about to soccer style kick him into the stand. It was going to be like Vinatieri style punting. Well, Vinatieri's not a punter. Uh, let's go with, uh, Matt Turk style punting. And it was uh, it was it was a great performance, great performance by him. Uh, he got lucky, definitely got lucky. Fifteen second knockout, and lucky that he didn't connect on that soccer style kick. But even with that being said, great performance by him. Um, looking at the rest of the card, what else do I want to mention before we move on to boxing? Uh, Tiago Alves got himself a win over Max Griffin. Uh, I'm very happy for Tiago. I'm trying to see when was the that's the first. UFC win he's had since 2017 uh, when he beat Patrick Cote. Um, you know, obviously the former UFC welterweight champion um, or UFC welterweight champion, um, UFC former welterweight champion contender. He um, he he looked he looked good. I thought that his second round was obviously his best round. Thought it was questionable. First round, I think the the reason you got to give it to Max Griffin is because he knocked him down at the end of it, and Tiago was probably saved by the horn. And so I think you got it, even though it was a good back and forth. Um, 
I thought that Max Griffin definitely had the exclamation point on it. And then the third round was for sure Griffin's in my eyes. And two was clearly Alves's. So, you know, he definitely got the hometown rub. There's no doubt about that. Max Griffin feels screwed. He probably should feel screwed. But it's kind of one of those things where I am, uh, I feel great that a guy got a win, even if he got away with one, just because, you know, long, long standing member of American top team. Uh, it was in his hometown. It's hard not to feel good for him. Um, that's about it. I mean, you know, you had Saeed Nurmagomedov, the guy who's the cousin, not cousin with Khabib. He had himself a good performance against Ricardo Ramos. He's a pretty good. He's a pretty good striker. Uh, that that definitely came through. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was the big. Uh, that was those are the big fights from this past from this past week, man. It was it was a fun card. Um, really really enjoyable and yeah that's what i got on that so you'll uh like i said you're gonna get our ufc 234 preview coming up in the three segments uh the last thing i want to mention we had some boxing this past week and some entertaining notes for sure uh there definitely was some entertaining notes and one of those things is that you had sergey kovalev being beating uh later hernand uh, alvarez and that was that was huge, obviously, for Kovalev because he's had a lot of stuff going on around him, and yeah, the you know he had the assault charge that was that was surrounding him, and really, you know, his career has been kind of derailed by the whole Andre Ward saga because of the bad judging there, the thing that a lot of people thought that he got the bad rub against Andre Ward, and Andre demolished him. I thought the last time. I know that there was some low blow, quote unquote, controversy. But hell, man, I thought I thought I thought uh, Andre was giving him that work that fight. So he's been dealing with a lot, but he he got this win, and I thought it was pretty clear cut that he got it. So it's good for him. Uh, I saw that uh, Dimitri Bevel Bevel uh, was interested in fighting him. I think that'd be a fun fight. I'd be into the, I'd be into seeing that for sure. Uh, the star of the night though was Tiafimo Lopez. He got an absolute highlight reel highlight real knockout um it was it, this guy he's he looks like he's absolutely turning into one of the studs one of the stars of the sport diego magadella uh magadaleno he uh he he just blistered him and not only blistered him in the seventh round to put him away but then just put some style on it with the dancing afterwards because he's not even he knows that it's so done anyway that he's his opponent's so out. He just starts hopping and dancing. So they look like they got one there in, in Tiafima Lopez. Looks like boxing's got one in there. So that was that was cool as well. So that's our recap. That's our recap of the weekend, guys. Sorry it came a day late. Um, yeah, so let's get to the rest of the episode. Here's the rest of the show. Enjoy it. Love you guys. And we'll be back live next week, completely live, um, because we got to recap UFC 234. That's a big one. That's a big one. Love you. And here's the rest of the show. It's time for Fighter's Fury, Inside the Heart of a Champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Fighter's Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Been a fun week so far. 
in uh, mixed martial. I shouldn't say so far. I mean, it's just been just been a fun week. Crazy stuff going on, and it just never stops. This this train this train never stops, man. With with the boxing, with mixed martial arts, the coverage is crazy. It's going like wild now. Partner with ESPN, it is it is wild. It's wild where things are at right now. And this was a busy week. You know, we had the announcement this week, UFC 235 official John Jones taking on Anthony Lionheart Smith. And we had the hearing this week. California had a long, long hearing. A couple of things. Or California, excuse me, Nevada had a long, long hearing as they were deciding whether or not to license John Jones for this fight. This is going down um, in Las Vegas. So we need to figure out, because remember, they wouldn't do it for the Gustafson fight, which is why they had to move it to California. And this is going to be a big-time card. I mean, UFC 235, not only do you have John Jones, but you also got Tyron Woodley taking on Kamara Usman. Robbie Lawler is going to be debuting with uh, – he's going to be taking on the debuting Ben Askren. I'm so jacked up. I got all my stuff twisted today. Um, Cody Garbrandt's back on that card returning. Uh, Zabit is going to be fighting on the prelims on ESPN against Jeremy Stevens. It's a really, really, really good card coming up in just less than a month's time. You know, it's crazy because next week we got ourselves the 234 card, which is going to be the middleweight championship of the world, and we'll get to that. But, yeah, man, this is fun. We're getting to this time now with ESPN, and it is good to see UFC revitalize a little bit, knowing that they have to impress a new partner, a new audience, and I do think that is translating into really good cards. I think that that the Miami card, what's been rumored there as far as Yoel Romero against uh, Ponzinibbio, that is a lot of fun. And let me tell you guys, I'll, I'll start off locally here for – a minute because i've been trying like hell uh and i'm not a i'm not a reporter and i'm not a guy who considers himself a journalist but i do have a lot of ties in this field just by knowing people interviewing people and all that stuff and um man nobody is nobody is ready to jump in with both feet and confirm this thing and it seems like the biggest reason for that is because yoel romero is on this reality show so literally nobody can get a hold of him uh, but Ponzinibbio is like nonstop on social media promoting the fight on April 27th at the American Airlines Arena. It would just be sick. I, I really, really, really hope that this thing goes down. And one thing that really excited me this week, I was listening to Ariel Helwani's podcast, and he had Jorge Masvidal on, who's one of our favorites. And shout out to Jorge Masvidal, by the way, who reps the uh, the old seven eye of the ticket T-shirt on social media. Um, but Masvidal, who's getting ready for his fight with Darren Till, which is a, a crazy, crazy fight. That's going to go down. Those two are going to throw down. That just It just sounds like a fun style. Darren Till versus Jorge Masvidal. And you know more, Jorge. He doesn't, he, doesn't give a, a, he doesn't give two bleeps about nothing. And, of course, he is uh, he's going to be coming full go into this thing into Till's hometown to, to fight him. I mean, it's I really can't wait for that. March 16th, that's going down in London. And if you were to fight that fight, Jorge was – absolutely steadfast that he wants to fight the next time in Miami, which would be a turnaround of about five, six weeks. That'd be very, very quick. It's not, it's been done before. I mean, that is cowboy style, you know, where he's done those quick turnarounds before. Um, but it, that, that'd be a fast one. That'd be a fast one, but it does make all the sense in the world. I think you do need to line this up with, with, with the people of Miami, you know, Jorge is, not only a guy who represents the city, who's trained down here, who uh, who is is just ingrained in it. I mean, this is a guy who fought 
in the streets of Miami. It was fighting when this when fighting wasn't fighting. This is where this guy's been around. He's so he he's so ingrained into the sport and 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 ingrained into the city that it needs to have Jorge Masvidal. It was it was one of the things when I was like, oh man, I, that's. When when they announced the Darren Till Jorge Masvidal fight, I was like, "Oh, that's that's awesome for for Masvidal. I, I hope he gets that win. He beats number three. He's right back in there in contention for the welterweight title." But man, that that is uh, the, when when the news came out that this is gonna be April, I'm like, "That seems too quick. He's not gonna be able to do that turnaround." He sounds very confident that he can make that happen, and almost like he would be insulted if they didn't have him on the card. Um, obviously. It would be hard for them, I think, to promote him against somebody big that night because it would be it would be tough because if Masvidal were to lose in big time fashion, like let's say that Till pieces him up like he did to Cowboy Cerrone. I'm not saying well, I actually think Masvidal is going to win that fight. I think some of the shine has been uh, taken off of Darren Till, but if if he were to get her in that fight, you know, not only is the turnaround hard, but then like finding an opponent who's who's ready to have it. It would be kind of cool. This would be something that'd be interesting. And I don't know if anybody would do this because you know these high-ranking young guys. There's a couple of them that don't want to scrap and and they want to wait out for the title shot. And that's you know we're starting to see with the UFC that's not the way to go do it. Um, but if if they were to do something like him versus Darren Till and then give him another top welterweight, that'd be that'd be just absolutely sick. I mean, it would solidify Masvidal being back in there. I don't know what his ties are to, you know, the the ATT ties are a little bit strange because man, that gym is so big. Uh, you don't quite know who is who's who is he gonna fight. Like I know that Masvidal will never fight um, like Robbie Lawler, even though Robbie Lawler's not there anymore. But those guys are super super tight. Um, but then we have things like, you know, Colby and Tyron Woodley, who's kind of like, he's like an OG ATT guy. He's not really there anymore. He's at his own branch in St. Louis. He'll come in for some workouts and stuff like that. Um, you know, they used to train together, but obviously they hate each other's guts and have been trying to get a fight together. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the situation is. You have a lot of people who are tied to South Florida in that welterweight division and all those contenders, but. You know, he beats Darren Till. Like, looking at the rankings, I'll pull those up here for a second so we can take a look. Um, Masvidal finds himself. Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. I love the new UFC website layout, by the way. I think it's uh, pretty slick. Um, Jorge is 10. And if he wins that fight, he's already fought in Damian Maya. And that was a tough fight for him because, you know, when it was just pure standing, obviously Jorge was getting the best of it. Problem is he ended up with uh, with Jorge Masvidal on his back every single round, and you know uh, Maya wasn't able to do anything with it, but he always got there. Um, they've done him versus Wonder Boy already, I believe. So I don't think they'll do that. Wonder Boy has a fight coming up with Anthony Pettis, I believe, who's coming up all the way to welterweight. Um, if Kamaru Usman were to lose, could we see Kamaru versus like well, that? Be probably too quick. No, not really. I mean, it would depend. It's it's getting a lot of this is going to depend on what kind of opponent they could have for Masvidal in Miami, because I'm just looking at the welterweight rankings and what would make sense for him. And 
Leon Edwards is fighting on the same card as him. Damian Maia, they've already done. Ponza Nibio and I think Dos Anjos are trying to circle each other for a fight. Um, I don't think him and Robbie will fight. They're very close. I don't know what the relationship is with him and Colby Covington. I'm a little ignorant to that um, because of Colby's last year. Um, but I don't know if he'll fight him. That's his teammate. It's at ATT. So I would look at this ranking, and if I were Masvidal and he were to get a win over number three, I would say the next thing he probably wants to do is get a win over number uh, get a win over number two in Kamaru Usman if there's no conflict there and Usman is good to go. The other interesting one they could do, I think this would be fun, is Ben Askren. You know, Ben Askren was at the um, 235 press conference this week, and he is fighting Robbie Lawler. And, you know, Ben's Ben's the thing with Ben is he's not really in a rush to move up the title rankings because Tyron Woodley is his best friend, and they're not fighting. This is funny. There's a lot of. I didn't feel like this was this was a thing back in the day where where there were a lot of teammates that were close that weren't going to fight, and it feels like that's gone away. But now it feels like it's starting to come back, and there's a lot of that in the welterweight division. So let's just say Ben beats Robbie Lawler if he does, and I don't know if he will because good God, Robbie Lawler is a scary individual, and that's a tough fight. But let's just say he did; that could be a possibility. Um, I think both of those guys could have a a good back and forth. And it could make it for some fun. And I, the thing that's just interesting, it's just such a – my bigger point of this is is Masvidal wanting to fight six weeks after he's fighting the number three contender in the welterweight division is very badass. But it also makes it tough for who the UFC is going to pick because Yoel and Ponzinibbio is presumed that's going to be the main event in Miami. That's the report. Um, and typically those five-round fights are different contracts, and so the and main eventing is a little bit different. So the co-main event, you know, you'd want to promote it if you were the UFC because they got to do a lot of work down here in Miami. But also, just having Masvidal on the card is huge. So you could put him in there against anybody, and I think it would be a big deal. But I think obviously you'd want the hometown guy to shy. So do they do, if a Leon Edwards does win that same night, would he be willing to do the quick turnaround? Does a rematch against Wonderboy make sense? Nah, again, he's got that thing that's happening with, uh, with Anthony Pez. So I would say this. I would say if they're going to do a quick turnaround and Mosfield is going to take on somebody ranked, it would probably be either Usman on a quick turnaround or it would be... Ben Askren if he were to beat Robbie Lawler. I don't think there's a match there with him fighting Robbie Lawler uh, because of their because of their relationship. So, I don't know. But Robbie doesn't train there anymore, so maybe they're more separate. I don't know. I remember, though, that um, having Mosfield on my program, that was, like, right after Robbie departed from ATT. And he's like, that's my best friend for years. And uh, didn't even, he's like, he knew every detail why that split actually happened, but he wouldn't tell any of it anybody why it happened but either way the bigger point is Masvidal is going to be on the card that's awesome it's going to be fantastic for everybody um no brainer if he's able to do it and who knows you know who knows who knows what comes down the pipe but hey maybe Darren Till misses weight can't fight and then they got to do that fight in Miami and it's a it's the old switcheroo so they go from fighting in London 
for five rounds, and then they end up having to come down here and do the scrap. I don't know. But all I know is it's badass, and I, I can't wait for that card. I, I can't wait for everything to get finalized with it. And long overdue. It's going to be really awesome having the card back down here in Miami. We'll get into some of the stuff from this week because we kind of got sidetracked there. But a lot of things went down this week. You had John Jones with his uh, fighting for his license in Nevada. Khabib, Connor, their punishments were laid down. Now we got ourselves a little bit uh, of a build out for the welterweight division or for the lightweight division. So we'll get to that on the other side. Fighters Fury is back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM 790, The Ticket. And we're back here on Fighters Fury. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's Brendan Tobin here with you. So this past week, we started talking about this a little bit in the last segment. So John Jones, UFC 235, is coming up at the start of March, but they need to get John Jones' license. And this is going to be a bit of a fight because, remember, Nevada was not feeling the idea of giving John Jones the license for the Gustafson fight because of all the picograms and all the stuff that popped up from the Chernobyl, um, long-term metabolites, all that stuff. We were all turning into little Victor Contis, learning our learning our steroid science. You know, because the funny thing about it was, you know, John made this return, and he just kept going, he kept going, a pinch of salt in an Olympic-sized pool. I'm just like, I love John Jones, man. I'm a huge fan of his fighting style. He's awesome. Sometimes when he talks, he steps in it. You know, and, and, that, and that's just the way it is. Um, but he goes out there and he is talking about this pinch of salt in an Olympic sized pool. And then all of a sudden this Pico thing flares up, you know, Cormier's roasting the whole world's roasting because it's just like, he's had so many screw ups. So I was worried when this whole thing came up, I'm like, Oh no. Cause I remember the last time this testimony, uh, John went through with the California state athletic commission it went terribly, like admitted that uh, his management team took his, uh, his, his questionnaires for him. They didn't do any of the protocol. <laughs> Just it, it came across so bad, so I was nervous when this thing was going down. And he even uh, he even admitted this at the press conference that he was nervous because it started going long. There was a lot of questions. People weren't comfortable. How do they know? How do they know John Jones is clean? You know, all the science. I'm not saying that it's bogus. Um, I get their explanation of it, but it's hard not to look at it and raise a skeptical eye and be like, ah, you know. And look, I'm not a person who wants to crusade for performance-enhancing drugs in fighting because I do think that it's, um, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that we don't know that people can use to make their bodies a little bit better and efficient. These are professional athletes that are beating the hell out of each other. In some cases, if the recovery is a little bit better, um, you know, if it can keep them all healthy and and going the right way, then I'd be more for it. And I know everybody gets the idea of, well, what if you get a guy just juiced out of his mind, like a Vitor Belfort who's TRT'd to the gills, and he head kicks Michael Bisbing, and Bisbing ends up with the with the one lamp shut out. Um, I get that. I'm not saying that it's not without its problems, but also, you know, as a guy who knows, uh, you know, a lot of fighters, I know that's such a hard living, and... I'm I'm kind of in the in the ballpark like if science can keep it going a little bit longer, can give these guys engine revving a little bit longer, and they can make more fight dates and be better versions of themselves. 
I don't. There's just there's just part of me that I I would be I'm okay with some of it. I almost wish that it was allowed to a certain level. That's why I like the TRT stuff. The problem was it was getting abused. You know, when they were doing it, it was kind of great because these guys could fight to a certain limit. They were they were still effective fighters. Seemingly was a little bit of a wild west. Everybody was was doing it. Um, but then you had fighters talking about like they're they're gonna die without it, or they're gonna their their careers are over without it. And I don't want to see anybody's career end because all of a sudden, boom, you decide, hey, we need to start testing around here. It's kind of weird. So. The thing with John is, you know, John kind of grew up in that age. He knew probably many of guys who were doing stuff around that gym. And so if you come into a culture like that, and then all of a sudden you think that's going to vanish, I think the next wave of guys will be probably the cleaner version of everybody, kind of like the baseball thing where, you know, maybe people are still using, but they're not using it at the rampant rate that they obviously were in the, uh, the late 90s, early 2000s when, you know, the pitchers were coming out of the bullpen with, six-pack abs and 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 biceps that that couldn't fit inside their jerseys throwing 300 miles an hour um you can tell that it's not that that kind of use now it's not to say that people aren't still using and there's not definitely science and all that stuff that's 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 still out there but i just think it's different i don't think it's as blatant and i think it's also probably used a lot smarter than it used to be either way the point getting to it is you know john gets this this license against anthony smith I'm glad that he did. I'm glad that this isn't that we're not going to be unable to see John Jones fight because ultimately, that's what I want to see. I want to see the guy that I think is the most talented fighter I've ever seen grace the octagon continue to do that. And this fight against Anthony Smith, I don't think it's much of a fight. I feel like John's got everything he needs to beat Anthony Smith soundly. And you know, Anthony has these great performances against guys that John beat in their prime. He beat them when they were way past their prime. So why would I feel like this guy's got the goods? You know, he's kind of been a journeyman and throughout his career. You know that he's had this resurgence at 205, which a lot of guys who are moving up are having that 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 newfound blood. And that fight against Victor Vulcan Ustamir was absolutely badass, um, bloody, nasty. But I just I I don't know if he's I always just thought with John like you're gonna need to have almost Rumble Johnson put your lights out power to touch him and that's it like that's how it's gonna be done because I don't see anybody out wrestling him I don't see anybody out striking him over a fight um I I think it needs to be one of those things almost like it. it if we could t- translate it to boxing, like it needs to be a Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. And if we look at those two, you clearly see who the range belongs to, the better skill set belongs to, all that stuff. But Deontay is the equalizer, and that is his touch of death. That is his right hand. It's just somehow Tyson Fury was able to cheat death. So when I look at this matchup, I just don't know if Anthony, um, Anthony Smith has that in him. He's a strong guy. Not saying he hasn't knocked out people before, but it's not crazy, crazy power. You know, it's not Conor McGregor lightweight power. It's not Rumble Johnson light heavyweight power. It's not Francis Ngannou heavyweight power. It's not that. It's not like that crazy stuff. Now, it's four-inch gloves. Anybody can get put out with a, with a certain mistake, but I've always thought with John, like that's, that's what it's going to take. You need to have somebody who's a little bit absurd in their striking power 
just so you can have that margin for error because I just think over a five-round fight with John Bones Jones, those windows are so small. They're so small. We haven't seen him lose very many rounds over his career. You'll probably count them on one hand. He's never lost a fight. Um, and how many times can we actually say John's been in danger? He was, you know, in my opinion, was losing to Alexander Gustafson and needed to win the last uh, the last couple rounds because he was in danger of losing his belt. But I didn't think that he was in danger like, oh, this he's about to get put away. I've ne- we've never seen him like that. So this will be a fun card. The other one that's interesting in here is, is Kamar Usman versus Tyron Woodley. And those guys had a really good back and forth this past week. You know, there's clearly a history there as far as, you know, Tyron kept referring to himself as his mentor to Kamaru. But, you know, Tyron, the only thing that worries me with Tyron is he, and this always does get brought up with him. You know, he's 36 years old. He's going to be almost, he's almost 37 going into this fight. He has fought the best of the best. And I, and I, I said this a couple of weeks ago on the show. If Tyron Woodley is able to beat Robbie Lawler, Wonderboy Thompson, Damian Maya, which I would regard as probably the best welterweight fighters over the last, let's say, five years. He's able to beat them. Um, you know, he beat Carlos Condit in a weird way, but Carlos Condit's a badass. He's almost from the previous generation along with, like, you know, the only guy he hasn't really matched up with, I would say, of quote unquote this era or his era is probably Johnny Hendricks and obviously GSP. Um, but the new era that he's taken on, Darren Till, Colby Covington, Kamaro Usman. If you were to beat Kamaro and Colby on top of what he did to Darren Till, you know, you're gonna have a hard time putting a huge argument over him as the best welterweight of all time against George St. Pierre because George got to do a bunch of redos. He had a, he had a, he had a few rematches in there. You know, he got to fight Koscheck a couple of times. He got to fight Matt Hughes a couple of times. Um, you know, there's definitely legends. Like if you were to see what's going on, but if you if we were to look over George St. Pierre's career and you look at the guys he beat. Carlos Condit, Johnny Hendricks. These are very close fights. You know, BJ Shields, Josh Koshek twice, Dan Hardy, Thiago Alves, BJ Penn, who's, you know, Matt Sarah, Matt Hughes. Like, he has legends on his resume. So, I don't, because of the era we're in, I think it's going to be tough for people to look back on Tyron's career and be like, oh, what legends did Tyron beat? But, I mean some of the ways he's able to go beat these guys is is very he's he's very george-esque like george would go out there and he would neutralize guys and tyron's doing a lot of that too he goes out there and when he's taking on a damian maya and then everybody throws in his face oh it was the fewest strikes ever ever thrown in a, in a championship fight all right yes but you know jamie maya was on a roll he was steamrolling everybody to that to that path to finally get a title shot. He was getting his neck, basically his arm around everybody's neck and choking them out or basically putting them, freezing them up in a fight so that they wouldn't fight. Um, the Wonderboy Thompson fights, I thought he won both of them. Um, knocked him down in both of those fights. 
He absolutely demolished Darren Till. I don't know what Darren... Darren Till is a little bit of a hype machine, in my opinion. I feel like that they've built him up, but he is the top contender. I mean, you know, he is he is one of the top five guys in there. Um, split over Calvin and the Aston. Like, I would say the biggest knock on his resume, because this is a guy who's been fighting for a long time, is the fact that, you know, Roy McDonald's no longer in the promotion. He lost to Rory, but that was f- five years ago. So... You know, and 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 I and I imagine that Rory's going to be back, but the th- but with with all of these fights that he's had, he's had a lot of rounds. He's had three five round fights in 2017, 2016. Um, I would say that this is this is the one thing. Like he's gonna he's having a faster turn. He's 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 staying active, and he's got a guy in Camaro here who's going to be on the big stage for the first time, who is riding high. A guy who got himself noticed. And this was a guy who also in the ball in, in in Dana White's eyes was like getting the reprimand of uh, like, oh really how many uh, how many uh, he was like oh thirty percent of me is fighting and Dana White was like chastising him for that but he continues to look better every time he goes out there and those performances that he had against Damian Maya against Javier dos Anjos you know yeah all right Tyrone's fought Damian Maya before and. Uh, Damian Maia has kind of become the gatekeeper of it is of the welterweight division. You beat him, and you're going to be close to a title shot. RDA, a little bit of the same thing where he's starting to get beat so much that he's becoming a bit of a gatekeeper instead of a guy who's actual, an actual contender. But he looks so impressive. I think the thing that you have to take away with Camaro from that fight is the versatility that he showed, the domination that he showed. He looks like a guy who's coming into his own. And... You gotta, you gotta wonder, like, where, where is the weakness here for Tyrone? I would say, if we're just basically look at it, it would probably be on the. I mean, they're both just tremendous wrestlers, tremendous. Nobody wants, nobody wants to fight Kamara Usman. It's one of the problems. Nobody wants to get in there with a guy who doesn't have a huge following and can do that to you and make you look foolish. But Tyrone's also excellent, and Tyrone's awesome. Um, Striking-wise, we're starting to see that come along with Kamaro, I think, a little bit more. It's not a guy who finishes a lot of fights, and every one of his fights in the UFC has gone to the scorecards except for Sergio Marias. Um, but I, I don't know. There's there's part of me that just thinks of Kamaro and just thinks that this dude is hitting that peak right at the right time, and you just wonder with Tyron, like, man, how much how many how many of these young lions can he fight off? He is really, really good. If he does do this, if he does beat Kamaro, I would say out of those three guys, Colby, Darren, and Kamaro, I do think that Usman is the most talented and the most dangerous out of those three. Um because with Colby, it feels like, you know, he's just gonna bring ferocity. Can he wear with 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 a matchup with Colby, like can Colby just put the pace on Tyron Willie enough that he wears him down? I mean that's 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 his path to victory is just is just having that incredible gas tank that he has that he brought to the to the Rafael dos Anjos fight, but who knows when that fight's going to happen because he doesn't he doesn't seemingly want to be in there with uh, with anybody until this thing goes down. So anyway, I just think that uh, that this is this is a really fun matchup. It's a fun card that they put together. You also got Robbie Lawler taking on Ben Askren. I don't have a great feel for that fight. Uh, I've only watched like a couple of Ben Askren fights. Um, I know that I'm a huge uh, Robbie Lawler fan, and it's hard for me to pick against him because 
I don't like picking against Robbie Lawler. He's one of my favorite fighters on the planet. And with Ben, there is going to be a little bit of wondering, like, all right, is this the big stage? Is he is he going to try and get out of his element because he doesn't want to be known as the boring guy? He doesn't want to be known as the guy who wasn't in the style of the UFC. Like, that was always the knock on him. So what kind of Ben Askren are we going to get? Who is going to be this guy? Robbie Lawler, he even admitted this is a terrible matchup. And that's the one thing I do like about Ben. Just shoots it straight. He's not trying to be anything that he's not. And with that fight coming up, um, it'll be interesting to see what the what what his reaction is to because I think Robbie Lawler is one of the most savage people to step inside the octagon. But but we have to say this with Robbie too, you know his his not fought he has not fought a lot over the last few years. He's fought one time a year basically. Um, you know he fought in. 2016, suffered that devastating knockout to Tyron Woodley. He then fought, took a whole year off, and fought Cowboy. Very close fight. Very, very close fight. I did think that he won. And then he had the Dos Anjos fight where he was basically having to take a... The thing that sucked about this is he was on a torn-up knee and basically had to just take a beating from Rafael for basically four rounds. So it's a guy who's who has been in some of the most hellacious fights in the UFC, just just brutal, brutal fights. Some wins, some losses, and now a couple of losses. So does that start wearing on him? I don't know. I don't think we could ever think that of, of Robbie Lawless. This guy who's already had a, a major comeback in his career one time to become welterweight champion of the world. I don't see any reason why he can't do it again. When we come back, we're going to do a little bit of next week's card. we got some boxing news as well, but next week we have UFC 234 from Australia. Championship fight on the line. Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum, and Israel Adesanya looking to get himself in title contention with a fight against Anderson Silva. That's next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. It's Tobin here with you. Uh, Big boxing note this week. We had Gennady Golovkin. And where he plans to end up. And it looks like he is going to end up signing himself a multi-fight deal with DAZONE, which makes sense. That is where I think the majority of the great middleweights are. I would say outside of the Charlo brothers who are on PBC, um, that's the place to be. That's the place to be. You know, you got you have Canelo there. Um, ultimately, you want to see Gennady fight Canelo again, although I'm glad they're taking a bit of a break from each other. I wouldn't mind seeing a, a Daniel Jacobs rematch. Because I'm one of the, the people who thought that Danny Jacobs got the best of him. And that was a tough fight. I would say probably the toughest fight of Gennady's career. Because even with Canelo beating him, uh, one of them looking like a major robbery to a lot of people. But but the other one, um, people were split on. But it was, a, it was a back and forth fight. And he was definitely coming on in the later stages of that fight. Uh, Danny Jacobs, very uncomfortable. A, a, a tough go of it. A lot on the line for that fight because if he won that fight, that was going to set up the Canelo fight. Um, that that makes it makes sense that he's going to go back there. I think there's unfinished business. Clearly, good uh, good good money wise for these guys, and you know it's fun. It's 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 a good match. I'm glad to see that they're doing that with Gennady Golovkin. The other news that came out, we were talking about the story a little bit last week. It looks like uh, John uh, Anthony Joshua is going to fight. In June, and this comes on the heels of Anthony Joshua. We found out that it looks like 
he is going to forego that April 13th date at Wembley Stadium. There were reports out of that this week. Um, because just timing, they couldn't, they, you know, they couldn't lock down an opponent soon enough. Dillian White was, they were struggling with Dillian White, but the big rumor out there is now it's going to be Jarrell Miller, that it's going to be Big Baby Miller against Anthony Joshua at Madison Square Garden. I like that matchup a lot more than seeing the Dillian White fight. Um, I know Dillian deserves to get in there, and I think that he will get in there. He's just kind of in no man's land right now, and the fact that he hasn't lost to Anthony Joshua, I don't think it serves AJ a lot of good to go fight somebody he's already beat. I think it continues to be new people. I especially think it doesn't serve him to have another fight against somebody he beat in London. He needs to do something that freshens things up. Has to. Because he has the most belts, but I think right now he's the least cared about heavyweight of those three guys, of Tyson Fury, of Deontay Wilder, of Anthony Joshua. This is a guy who was the golden child, but it's very fleeting. And because of Tyson and Deontay having such a classic fight, such a really such a uh, a competitive fight, a controversial fight, a viral fight. AJ needs to do something a little bit different. Uh, I think that Jarrell Miller can bring some of that Tyson Fury animosity. He's very charismatic. Um, he can he can he can make people care about his fights, make people care about you fighting. So I think that's the smarter play. Um, you know, we've talked to Jarrell multiple times and. Uh, I'm obviously I'm obviously a, a big fan of his, um, but I just think that it would serve AJ better. Just looking at just looking at both ends. I think. Look, if you want to go do the all British fight, huge. I mean, you know, you versus Dillian White. Dillian White's very popular over there as well. I'm sure that'll do very good numbers in Britain. But you're not the you're not the British heavyweight champion of the world. And I know that. I know how hungry those fans are. I know how great those boxing fans are across the pond. I understand that. It's, I'm jealous of how much they love boxing. But there is something to be said for fighting over here, doing the pay-per-view thing, being open to the world. And I know that AJ is very passionate about, you know, we always had to go over there. Lennox Lewis always had to go to America. Why don't they come over here? And it's not for me to be xenophobic. I'm not trying to say, like, oh, America is the greatest or any of that stuff. It just is what it is as far as your exposure, where you can make the actual money. Look how many tickets they have to sell for him to be that kind of wealthy over there. Look how many tickets he has to sell over here, a quarter of that. It just it just, it is what it is from that standpoint. So I do think that um, the Jarrell Miller fight serves him a little bit better. I want to mention this. So we were talking about the John Jones thing. Also at that hearing, we had word that um, – Khabib got his suspension. He can fight in July, and he can and he has to pay a fine of five hundred thousand dollars, which basically they just kept the half of the purse that they were when he originally got in trouble. They withheld a million, then they relinquished five hundred thousand, but kept five hundred thousand. They're keeping that five hundred thousand for good. So that sucks for Khabib. Very harsh, in my opinion. I think it's too much. Conor McGregor, he ended up getting 50000 and he could fight in April. So it's like no suspension for Conor McGregor, really. Um, and I don't think Conor deserves to be suspended. Like, he, fu- he fought people. Uh, there's some video where it shows an angle of him throwing a punch at a dude on the cage. But again, dude's on the cage. It's a chaotic situation. 
Uh, Conor didn't jump into the crowd. He stayed within the confines of the cage, and he was fighting people um, who were in there with him. So, you know, I didn't think his punishment should have been as harsh. And, you know, Khabib fight until July, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think that he was going to probably fight before then. Anyway, maybe I think he could actually be eligible, like, right around usually when International Fight Week is. So I think that lines up pretty good for them. 500000 seems very, very steep for this. And I got to tell you, I don't know what it is with this commission wanting these guys to do anti-bullying PSAs because that was a stipulation in his contract or in his his suspension that if he did an anti-bullying PSA, knock three months off of his suspension. You can come back sooner. Well, first of all, if anybody was bullied in this scenario, it was Khabib. He was the one who was bullied. I mean, Conor McGregor was going hard in the paint at a lot of personal stuff that caused him to snap like that on his guy Dylan Dennis and all of that. Why are they trying to do anti-bullying? They try to do this with Connor too, with an atheist thing with down. Why do you want them to do anti-bullying? I don't understand. Uh, Bob Bennett also said that he wants people to start putting their words in check. That we need to, we need to evaluate what things are said before a fight. Not right. I mean, all of a sudden, this is a big controversy. Hey, Bob, did you not listen to the lead-up of McGregor Mayweather? When you had, you know, a guy who had no professional boxing matches fight a guy who was 50-0 in boxing. Were you not listening to any of those press conference press conferences? Now, all of a sudden, you're so worried about what, what's said before a fight because you're dealing with a, with, with a crazy Russian dude who doesn't take no bleep and isn't about this just being showboating. He's about that life. Um, I, I, I thought that was so stupid, silly, and hypocritical from Bob Bennett. I get it. Did Conor cross the line some places? Absolutely. But that's what he does. He crosses the line. He does. Um, and I, I, I'm not trying to make excuses for him, Connor being Connor, but you've allowed this to such a level to benefit off of that stuff. It's hard now to put the genie back in the bottle and be like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Now people are jumping out of cages and going crazy. We can't have this. No, you can. The thing that's going to be interesting now is what happens with the lightweight division. They really are in a pickle. I, I feel for my guy, Dustin Poirier who is uh who's out there and if you listen to this show you know like if he was in any other weight class three title shots by now with the with the with the kind of run that he's had at 155 pounds he's been an absolute monster ever since losing to conor mcgregor and he's of the mindset right now that and he's been tweeting this out that the he's he's upset with the company which by the way i don't think that's as bad as it used to be sometimes it felt like when you went at the company as a uh at, at the UFC that it was a bad thing. But we're starting to see now between Kamara Usman, between Ben Askren, between Ally Quinta, uh, you know, going at the company is good for business almost these days. It really is. Especially if you're especially if you're an established fighter who's as talented as Dustin Poirier, what are they going to do? They're going to cut you? They're not going to cut him. He's too damn good. He's too damn good a fighter. Uh, he's too highly ranked. You're not going to just let that guy walk. So it's smart for these guys. You know, there's no union. There's no representation really looking at, uh, looking out for them. So unfortunately, you got to make a bit of a stink. And in Dustin Poirier's case, I think part of the reason why he's on the outside looking in on this title picture is he's just kind of the guy who shows up and wins. Everybody else has a little bit of a gimmick, has a little bit of a personality. Uh, Habib's obviously got the belt. Tony Ferguson 
is a is a bit of a quirky weirdo. And Connor's Connor. And if we were to look at somebody else in that match- matchup, I guess Ally Quintz has got to be in there too. Um, because he went the distance with Khabib and beat Kevin Lee now. But you know, Dustin's in the spot where I don't know what the matchup is for him. Because I can see from his standpoint, man, I got to fight Ally Aquinta to get another win to prove that I'm the title guy. I get the frustration with that. I ultimately think he's probably going to have to because it seems like Khabib and Tony are going to fight for the title and Connor's going to fight Cowboy. The only thing that's a little messed up with that, though, is Connor beating Cowboy, if you're doing things fair, Connor beating Cowboy should not lead to a title shot. I don't care how much he dominates him. He's a lot more highly ranked than, than, than Donald Cerrone, and I get it. Rankings are are, are are whatever, but if you're gonna have him, you gotta got you kinda gotta go by him. And from 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 the standpoint of, hey, he's gonna go out there and beat a dude who's not ranked, or is you know if he gets in the welterweight rankings, is probably outside the top ten, and that's gonna lead to getting Khabib again, a guy who just floored him. I don't know, man. Like ultimately, if that's gonna happen. It should probably be Dustin Poirier. If Dustin Poirier and Ally Quinta, what deserves to get there more? Connor beating the number nine guy in the world or Dustin Poirier and Ally Quinta, 3-4, basically fighting for a number one contendership? Because if if you're Dustin Poirier and you don't want to fight Connor, it's either Connor or for the belt. I get it. You want the big money fight. Um... You know, the, the the only other thing is, if I, if I were him to be convinced, is like, all right, you have to guarantee if I beat Ally Quinta, I get the title shot next. No Connor getting a title shot. But, you know, that's the, there's, there's, there, there is a downfall. Like, the, the, the benefit is, if you get the Connor fight, you know you're getting paid that night. And you're in Connor's division, there's ultimately that opportunity. But, you fight in a division with Connor McGregor, it does slow things up. You're not going to be, you're going to always have to be of the awareness that he could jump in line. And Connor's not really jumping in line because he is ranked above Dustin. And I'm fine with him being ranked above Dustin because he's beaten Dustin before. But I, I, I completely understand why Dustin is pissed and why they're not doing him versus Connor instead of Connor taking on Cowboy. Look, I get it. Cowboy's got an amazing gimmick. I want to see that fight. I really want to see that fight. But to me, if we're this thinly sliced at 155 pounds, don't we kind of got to stay as close to the rankings as possible? I guess if, like, I don't even think, I think it would probably probably be a no-brainer if Connor didn't have that win over Dustin at featherweight. But, man, that was so long ago. And the other thing that sucks for Dustin is I don't know how many more fights Max Holloway has at 145 pounds. And you know if Max goes up to 155 pounds, he's probably going to get a title shot. So, I mean, at this point, where where do you go if you're Dustin Poirier? Do you cut back down to 145? I mean, he's not the tallest dude in the world. Does he, does he make that move? I mean, he's been so happy with the positive effects. Uh, does he Does he go to 170? 
probably a little bit too big for him. I mean, there's probably some matchups that work out, but that's tough. It's tough if you're Dustin Poirier, man. I, I'm, it's like you, 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 your heart does bleed for the guy a little bit. It's it's not fair. It's not fair. Before we get out of here, let's do some picks. You got UFC 234 coming up next week. Robert Whitaker taking on Kelvin Gastelum for the middleweight championship of the world. And Israel Adesanya in the co-main event taking on Anderson, the Spider Silva. Um, I'm of the same mindset as a lot of people. I don't know how a guy who's supposed to be the younger, faster, stronger version of Anderson is going to lose to Anderson. The only thing you can say is like, look, you're not going to beat Anderson. You're not going to outfox Anderson Silva. I don't care what nickname you call yourself, style bender and all that stuff. So maybe the spider has himself a vintage knight, has some tricks up his sleeve. Um, it's possible. It's a, it's a really cool fight. I'm just going to like the idea of seeing those guys square off and, and, and see what they have to bring for each other. But, man, it's been a while for Anderson. This is going to be him fighting basically for the first time in two years. So what kind of guy are we going to get? But I got I think Stylebender is going to get the best of him in this one. And then the championship fight, Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum. I look at it like this. Um, if Kelvin can catch him early, then he's got a shot to win. But the longer the fight goes, I just – Robert Whitaker just finds a way to win, man. He breaks you down. He punishes you. He's versatile. He's so damn good. The only thing you want to see out of him out of this fight, quite frankly, is can he win this fight and stay healthy? Because this guy is so damn talented, and a lot of the times he steps into that cage, it's very, very entertaining. But it always usually comes with a price. So I'm going to go with both of the hometown guys there. Adesanya, uh, I think it'll stop Anderson Silva, and I got... Whitaker winning by decision. And I think he's going to win by a vast decision. I think he wins like 49-46. So, that's UFC 234. We'll have a full recap for it the week after, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you guys next week. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.